0: Welcome to episode 634 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by TheDigitalMediaZone.com.
1: I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. But we're doing something kind of different and special this time, Josh.
0: Yeah, the the way that the end of the year schedule worked out for both of us, we're able to record an episode in between Christmas and New Year's this year. And we thought it would be fun to do what, well, frankly, this is not an original idea, but so many other shows do (laughs) around this time of year and do a little bit of a recap of the year that was, uh, but to take a, a slightly different approach to it and look at some of our favorite things. So we frequently cover TV shows, movies, music, games, and then of course the news. And so we're gonna pick our favorites of most of those things. And then uh picking a favorite news story is a little weird. So we're gonna do that <laughs> section a little bit differently. Yeah. But uh we also enjoy getting your feedback. So if you like this episode or hate it and think we should never do this again, uh either way, you can send us an email. Our email address is entertainment two zero at digitalmediazone.com. And the rest of our contact information will be at the end of the show. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, take a moment to click that like button and subscribe button. Okay, so let's dig into our favorites of 2023, Richard. And, you know, I'm kind of not surprised here, but let's start with our favorite show. This probably isn't surprising at all. (laughs) I'll let you go first, I guess, although it doesn't really matter who goes first this time.
1: Yeah, because we both have the same thing here. Hands down, with all the television that I watch, my favorite television event this year was the first season of The Last of Us. It rode me through the gamut of emotions. I thought it was incredible storytelling. We've both talked about the accompanying uh, uh, podcast that gives you the -the behind-the-scenes discussions with the people who created it. And just overall, I I think I liked this more than anything else that I saw on my screen this year. Yeah, completely
0: agree. We both gushed about this at numerous points throughout the year. I mean, I didn't go back and, and look at you know, do the same exercise for last year, but I wouldn't be surprised if this would be my favorite show of the last couple of years. It it was that good. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, it it was. I mean, I I guess I would ask you. This is kind of the exception to the rule, right? Do you normally watch or or have any interest in movies or TV shows that are based on games? Well. For most of the 30-ish years that uh, they've
0: been trying to make TV shows or movies based off of video games, 98% of them have been terrible.
1: Right! <laughs> uh,
0: but this one was good. And um, th- there have been a-, a couple of winners, I think, in in the conversion this year, You know, because we also saw movies made out of Super Mario Brothers, which was pretty good. It's not my pick of the year. Uh, we saw a Gran Turismo movie, which was pretty good, close, but not my pick of the year. Uh, so really pretty good year in terms of converting games into movies. And frankly, this this show, it, it's, it's the perfect opportunity to do this, uh, you know, because The Last of Us isn't just a, a standard video game. It is right. a really good story pulled through a decent game like i i don't know if that's a hot take i don't think that the gameplay aspect of the last of us is like super fantastic you know you know world changing should should win awards on its own it is the combination of good enough gameplay mechanics and a really really interesting story and longtime fans of this show and previous listeners of one of my previous podcast ventures game players Uh, or story players. Wow. I can't even remember the name of my old podcast. Uh, no, when it comes to video games, I'm typically looking for a really, really, really good story. And this provided it. So yeah, for sure. If they couldn't have done this well, then there's really no hope. I think (laughs) (laughs) fair enough. So I, I also put in the notes, let's, let's pick favorite movies for the year. And, uh, I, I teased at a couple that aren't my favorite movie of the year. The one that I did end up picking, probably not super surprising, Barbie. It was just a really, really good, really well done movie. A movie that I think surprised a lot of people in what it mm-hmm. actually ended up being and, and what mm-hmm. it was about and that it wasn't just a, a, a fluffy you know movie about a doll living in the real world. It was... So much more than that, and and so well done. Richard, you don't have a favorite movie listed in the notes.
1: Yeah, I know. I didn't see a lot of movies this year. I don't think I went to a theater once this year. I didn't really watch many movies that came to disc, the two being Avatar and Guardians 3, and neither of them deserves a Best of Anything award. <laughs> I, I would say, so I haven't seen Barbie yet. I expect that probably will be my favorite movie from this year when I do see it. And I'm hoping to watch it this weekend. I, I think probably the the film I enjoyed the most, the biggest surprise, was Amazon's Red, White, and Royal Blue. Uh, that was an adaptation of a book. It was very well done. They change some things to make it work better as a movie, but it was entertaining. It was a lot of fun. I thought it told a story in a way that everybody could enjoy. And so, yeah, that's probably my pick. Okay.
0: Okay. that That's fair. Well, let's move on to favorite music. And, and this is another one where uh, I kind of felt like we could go a, a few different ways because people listen to music in different ways. Something else that you and I have talked about in the past, you know, Adele famously wants you to listen to albums from beginning to end. No, no shuffle. I think that was the story in, we covered in 2022. <laughs> um, so I, I threw this out there as it could be your favorite album, your favorite artist, your favorite song, whatever. And this this one was hard for me because I do listen to a lot of different music. And the I, I am going with an album here. I'm going with the album Weather Veins by Jason Isbell in the 400 unit. This was really the first year that I really started listening to Jason Isbell, even though he's been producing music for a long, long time. And I loved it. But I think one of the more interesting aspects of me picking this as my album slash music, whatever we want to say of the year is it is probably not even close to my most listened to album. It, it, it would be near the top of my Album that I wanted to listen to the most this year, but the problem with his music is it's really depressing. (laughs) So um, I have to be in the right frame of mind, I guess, to listen to this. So that's that's why it didn't get. You know, this wasn't on my Spotify Wrapped. Uh, My my most listened to album on Spotify Wrapped was um, an an EDM album by Han Solo. Nope, not Han Solo. I always screw up his name when when (laughs) I say it. I like Uh, that, though. uh, San Hollow just reverses the first letters of Han Solo um, because it's easier for me to listen to EDM while I'm working and things like that. But this was my most enjoyed uh, album of the year, and uh, we ended up going to see him live also. So uh, I'm I'm going with with Weather Vades by Jason Isbell. What about you?
1: Cool. So I just... Cheated on this and went with what Apple said that I had listened to the most. And I thought about it for a little bit to figure out if, okay, well, would I consider that my favorite music from the year? And I think probably yes. And the funny thing is I talked about this last year when I discovered this artist. So the artist is Thomas Bergersen. He by far was the most listened to artist in my wrap up from Apple. And the album is called Illusions. I think it's, I know it's not new. It's maybe two years old now. And the song that I listen to the most from that is the first track on that called Aura, which I know I've also mentioned before on the show. It's just a really powerful, very symphonic type of score that uh, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of like an adrenaline, um, an adrenaline shot in music, if you will. So I like that a lot. I'm going to throw in an extra one though for Christmas Mm. because I have an album that I discovered a year or two ago. I may have talked about this as well in the past. My favorite Christmas album is a Drummer Boy Christmas by Four King and Country. And I describe this as Christmas carols with vocals done like Trans-Siberian Orchestra style. It is intense, very, very intense music and incredibly well done different interpretations of songs we've all heard for years and years and years. And I get tired of every artist coming out with, Oh, here's how it's going to sound when I sing silent night. Yay. But (laughs) they've come up with something fun and original in this. And I love when I don't feel weird about playing christmas music during the month of december because i do occasionally listen to this album at other times of year because i like it so much wow that's saying <laughs> yeah yeah
0: okay well the next category i'm really interested to hear your pick on richard
1: what was your favorite game of the year oh yeah can i go first <laughs> uh uh yeah i'm gonna pass on this category see
0: I I think the problem with you passing on this category is that you are falling into the stereotype that games are only played on video game consoles or PCs.
1: Don't you play games on your phone? The only thing I really play on my phone is Candy Crush. And there's nothing even remotely new about that.
0: (laughs) Okay, I wanted to give you a chance.
1: I know, I know. Yeah, I thought about that, but I'm like, yeah, and plus it's lame. It couldn't be that lame. People are still
0: playing it. It's not one that I play. I won't make fun of you for playing Candy Crush. This was a harder one for me to pick. I, I had to to narrow it down between the one that everybody is expecting, which is Forza Motorsport, and another one that I talked about a ton being Diablo 4. And I think I have to go with Diablo 4. Now, I'm still playing the crap out of Forza Motorsport. I love it. It's really good but it's not quite as like i don't know there there was just something about diablo 4 that really sucked me in in a way that i had hoped that it would given like i hadn't played a diablo game or really even any type of game like diablo since like the first diablo on the pc which i probably played on a windows 95 pc in my parents dining room it was that you know we're we're talking late 90s here and I got super excited when the betas came out. Played it a ton; those beta weekends, loved every second of it. Played it a ton with my friends. Have played it single player. I, I'm not, I, you know, I haven't gone and done everything and stuff like that. But I just have have really loved everything about the the Diablo Four experience this year. For Forza Motorsport is really really good, but it's a little bit light in some of the the content that it offers, the online multiplayer experience could be bigger. There could be more options, things like that. And that's really what caused me to pick Diablo four as my game of the year. The, the other thing that this really pointed out to me is that while I'm viewed as the gamer, certainly on this show, I don't actually play that many different games. You know, when, when uh, Richard, I don't know about you, but to, to make this list, all I really did was go through our show notes for every episode that we did this year, scrolling through the notes that we took for what what's going on in your entertainment center. And I didn't really have that many different games right. that I played this year. Right. Yeah. So it's Diablo 4. But but that's like I, I'm not saying that I haven't played that many games to like kind of couch my my decision behind Diablo 4. Like it for sure is uh my my favorite game from 2023. All right. Let's oh. let's jump into the news. We both did this a little bit weird. Uh, we added you you put your notes in first, and so I decided to follow suit and and th- <laughs> th- threw in like some some extra superlatives a- around these stories. Yeah, and, and we we picked a few. So why don't we just take turns picking one off of our list?
1: Yeah. Well, so let's start with biggest because we both did what we think is the biggest story in our space. Do you want to go first with that? Because ultimately I think you have more items to go through than I do here. Sure.
0: Sure. So uh, because I'm the gamer on this show, I I went with the biggest story being Microsoft finally completing the acquisition of Activision Blizzard King. It was something we talked about half the episodes this year. Yeah. Most of the episodes this year. It was a lot. Yeah. How long has this been going on? Oh my gosh. I think they announced the acquisition in the beginning of 2022. Okay. It was so like a year 2 and years. A half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. And then, of course, it didn't actually get finalized until that like 2 month period that I took a break from the show. So I didn't even really <laughs> right. get to talk about it on the show when when it was finally done and over. I I I think it was For me, the the biggest news story, like the biggest thing that kept popping up were it's but it's still too early to tell what actual impact it will have in the video game marketplace. So obviously something that we'll be keeping an eye on in 2024.
1: Yep, for sure. Yeah, for me, my biggest story was and this is kind of more an example of what's happening in the industry more than anything. And that might be why I picked it is. Warner Brothers Discovery, or whatever they're called these days, consolidating the content between the Discovery side of the house and the HBO Warner stuff that they had into one experience, Max. And while they still have Discovery Plus as a separate service that you can subscribe to, if that's specifically the kind of thing that you're interested in, that's a little more long tail. Maybe long tail isn't the right word, a little more niche. but. Max is their home for everything now. And in many ways, I think this helps with the problems that we've been seeing in the streaming space, which is the splintering where everybody had to do their own thing. Oh, and then because of acquisitions or mergers or anything else that's going on, then we had all these other apps that were also owned by the same company. And so any one company, let's look at Disney as an example, may have three completely different experiences. And maybe for ESPN that makes sense, but does it make as much sense for Disney Plus and Hulu now that they are going to be the exclusive owners of Hulu? Probably not. Uh we'll have we'll have to see how that comes out in the future. But I think that Warner's move here is a smart one to basically give people one place to get everything that they offer and pay one price for it. And it's going to cost a lot But as particularly if you want the best capabilities and the most streams and everything else. But I think it was a good move and a necessary move. And I hope that we see some more of this so that it's just not necessary to have like 15 different app tiles on your TV screen because it's getting ridiculous.
0: Yeah. So this was one of the, so, so the, the HBO Warner brothers, blah, blah, blah combination wasn't the one that I picked out, but one of the categories that I did put in my notes is the, the big trend in the streaming space. And it was exactly what you're talking about, which HBO kind of kicked off at the beginning of the year. Cause that happened in January, I think. And it was this consolidation of these things like you really thoroughly just talked about but also that we've got through this consolidation what i what i think is the the bigger thing that we've got to see how it actually plays out is that they're all really trying to be the one when i'm not sure that there can be a the one right you know there there was the one in netflix for years but it hasn't really been the one in a long long time despite still being really good but what what really stands out to me as the 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 thing that says they're all trying to be the one is what they're doing with their subscription prices because all of these are getting a lot more expensive yep you know netflix raised their prices once or twice this year hbo didn't actually
1: raise their price when they combined things right No, they had done it right beforehand. Oh,
0: yes.
1: (laughs) And then now they're adding that additional tier that you'll need to have if you want to keep 4K and Mm -hmm. if you want to keep Dolby Atmos and four streams instead of two. So they are changing things up. They're kind of doing the equivalent of shrinkflation on their existing service. Pay the same, get less. Right, right. And... What, what I think that this is going
0: to cause the consumer to do is to shrink the number of services that they're subscribing to, it, because it's just not as feasible for people to be paying $22 a month to Netflix and $16 a month or $20 a month if you want 4K for HBO. Disney Plus is going up. Hulu's going up. All of these services have gone up a lot. Uh, Apple TV Plus doubled in price this year you know, all of these guys are going up a lot. And I, I think it's actually going to have an impact of people subscribing to fewer of these services and everybody has different ones, you know, like I'm not on max right now. You, I think always subscribe to max and love it. Mm -hmm. We, we have the, the Disney bundle in, in my house, but You know, it's the holidays, you spend more time with other people and your family and stuff. Like every time I talk to my in-laws, they're talking about things they're watching on Paramount Plus. Like, I don't know anybody who is is regularly watching Paramount Plus, maybe you. Uh, But, you know, that doesn't seem like the most popular one, but there's still a lot of people out there. And then, you know, one of the other things that we'll see changing very early on in the new year is Amazon Prime starting to introduce ads into Amazon Prime Video yep. unless you want to give them an extra $3 a month. So, yep,
1: got my notice. Did you get yours?
0: I sure did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, maybe that's our one bit of news for for this week's uh, episode is that we've got a date for that. Now, it's January 29th is when we're going to start seeing ads in Amazon Prime Video
1: starting next year.
0: All right, so let's jump back to one of your stories for the year.
1: Yeah, so The next big story I picked was what I thought was the most intriguing. And that was Apple announcing Vision Pro. Now, it's not that this was a surprise. The industry has been looking at all the signs and letting people know that, oh, no, we're going to see a visor from Apple. It's coming out. We even had a rough idea of what it was going to (laughs) cost. And then it turns out it's going to cost more. But the fact that Apple is getting into this space coincidentally and here's another news ad item while Microsoft is getting out of it systematically removing their extended reality components from Windows is i think a tell that we're at the point in this space if i can call it that this this virtual reality space where Apple thinks there's something there and they don't usually go all in with what I think we could probably look at as an an industry like turning point device unless they believe in it and they put a whole lot into it. So I'm intrigued to see what this ends up being. I'm not rushing out to get one. I don't expect to have one for a good while after it comes out. I want to see how things play out here. But I loved what they were showing as what they were hoping to do with this. The demos that they did with Disney and some of the other uh, game producers and and productivity solutions that they were promoting, I think, are fascinating and could be really, really compelling. You got to get that price down, though, before people take it seriously.
0: Well, and I think the price is what holds it back from being like some big game changer in this space. When you're talking about, what did the price end up being? $3,500, $4,000, something like that?
1: It is $3,500.
0: Yeah. like That's just not a realistic consumer product at that price.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's a fair point. That said, everything points to them expecting to sell about half a million of these in the first year, which is not too bad. But then we can also look at phones, right? When they came out with the iPhone, phones were relatively cheap because our model for paying for phones was very different then. And when they came out with the phone at $600, which now is like, I think probably cheaper than their cheapest phone, (laughs) that was a ton of money to spend on a phone that was unheard of. And uh, I don't know. It did okay.
0: Yes, but this is seven times the cost of a (laughs) MetaQuest 3. Seven times. Not 70%,
1: seven times the cost of a MetaQuest 3. (laughs) I get it. Yep. Yep. Like I said, I'm not running out to buy one. I won't be in line. Yeah.
0: Uh, You know, if this ends up being the thing that really takes the, the entire industry by storm and causes some massive shift in what virtual reality is and then leads to uh, a, a bountiful release of far less expensive devices then cool but I don't see that happening. this feels like like Apple's version of the HoloLens. It's just way, way too expensive. Now granted it looks like a far better executed device than the HoloLens was. Right, but th- this price just—I I just don't see how this
1: works. Yeah. Also, they're not lying to you and calling what you're seeing holograms. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: All right. I'm going to go to uh, a another trend story that that I wanted to talk about because again, it's not one individual story. I picked what what I viewed to be as one of the biggest trends in gaming, and that was. The proliferation of portable gaming consoles in 2022, Valve launched the Steam Deck, a handheld, basically gaming PC running Linux that looked like a Nintendo Switch for uh, for a reasonable price. It was, you know, th- there were different models ranging between like four and six hundred ish dollars, and it did pretty well, and has continued to do well, and. This year, we saw a lot of other players jump into the market. Uh, Asus with their ROG uh, brand launched the ROG Ally. Razer jumped in with the Razer Edge. Lenovo had the Legion Go. Logitech has the G Cloud. Valve released an updated version of the Steam Deck with an OLED screen. This this part of the gaming industry is getting a lot bigger and a lot more interesting. And, And these devices are not all exactly direct competitors, because while the Steam Deck is a handheld gaming PC, things like the Razer Edge, the Logitech G Cloud, really most of the rest of these are, are really built around like maybe you can play good games that are like mobile games on your portable device and have a dedicated device for it, but also but tend to be more focused on game streaming, which I Think we're going to continue to see more of that uh, get get more popular, especially as five G becomes better and more widespread uh, across the the United States. I also wonder what the different processors are going to do. You know, just within the last couple of weeks, Intel announced maybe their most interesting line of CPUs that they've launched in over a decade, which could make gaming laptops and potentially some of these types of devices more powerful and more interesting. So, it'll definitely be a space to continue to watch. I think I also wonder if some of the popularity of these portable devices had to do with the fact that in 2023 finally most of the world has decided we're done with this COVID thing. We're just getting back to normal, and getting back to normal means tons of travel this year and last year too, of course, and just people being on the go. And if you're on the go and actually out of your house, then having one of these portable game consoles makes a whole lot more sense if that's the way that you like to to unwind and relax. So I'm really curious to see where this space goes in 2024 and if we're going to see some interesting new announcements at CES in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, that's... I I am particularly interested in seeing if there's anything new that we don't know about yet at CES in this front. Um, Every once in a while, there's that odd one-off device that you managed to find somewhere. (laughs) And without being there this year, we will have to be digging through the news articles to find that. But yeah, this, this has been intriguing for sure. All right. Well, my next one up, and this is—I'm just kind of cheating because I just—I just had to bring this up, and arguably, I'm going to make the case that this is about digital media, so it totally fits the stuff that we talk. <laughs> this about. is a stretch, Richard. But uh, it, it there was a, a an article and a news story on Marketplace lately about how recent studies have shown that over 90% of NFTs are now virtually worthless. These are things that people were buying for like literally hundreds of thousands or a million dollars or more or an original. If we're doing video, you're going to see my air quotes, original digital artwork. Cause you know, That's going to hold its value for sure and get more valuable over time. All the crypto bros thought so. Anyway, I know I'm probably annoying some people, but I just, (laughs) how anybody thought that this was a, a, a winning recipe for financial investment, I just don't understand. It's something I avoided. It's something I scoffed at. And I'm not just, I'm not. I'm not saying that because I'm like, yeah, see, it just this is the logical outcome from what I can see here. And, you know, we talk about digital media all the time and how digital media has actually made it harder for people who produce media to make money because it isn't worth as much. (laughs) And how the idea that people were going to create original works of digital art and sell them For ridiculous amounts of money, I don't know how anybody have thought that was going to work. So that is my favorite, believe it or not, digital media story of the year.
0: Okay. (laughs) Well, I decided to switch it up a little bit for my last one, and I went with my most nostalgic news story of the year. And that was earlier this year when MB announced a, a basically... a a reproduction of Windows Media Center inside of MB. You and I both rushed to get this installed Yep, uh, and, and to play with this. And they took the Windows Media Center that lived in our brains that we loved using that was really the genesis of the creation of this website and this podcast. And they did it even better in a lot of ways. And I do enjoy using it. I'm not, Going to say that it is now my my go to way of of consuming all media now because it is still a a piece of software that is largely based around content that you own whether it's DVD rips or, or recorded TV shows and, and live TV and stuff I j- that's just not my primary source of media anymore streaming video is which is one of the reasons why Windows Media Center died but man when I want to watch live TV which is basically just for some football games now. And then (laughs) I fire up MB so that I can use the Windows Media Center experience to do that.
1: I do think it probably still has the best live TV and DVR experience that I ever have had in a product. And seeing it so carefully recreated and executed in MB... Absolutely, absolutely warmed my heart. I loved playing with that. Unfortunately for me, it really was just playing around with it for a while because, like you said, I use streaming services all the time. So my number one interface is Apple TV and my TV services through YouTube TV, which is a terrible live television experience. and a terrible DVR experience but having having that experience again earlier this year was just so much fun and made me remember all the reasons that I loved it and why I miss it but it also made me think it does feel a little 15 years old now it does right like it it was it was amazing in its time and i think things have evolved a little bit now that We've we've realized there's some better ways of presenting information than all the things that we liked so much in Windows Media Center. And a lot of these other apps, just in the way they're arranged and how you navigate around and everything, have kind of shown that and and standardized on that now. But, yeah, kudos to them. And, uh, you know, I, I am sure that the people who are using it regularly are loving it. For sure. For sure. All right,
0: well that's it for our our favorites of 2023. But it wouldn't be an episode of Entertainment 2.0 if we didn't also talk about the things that are going on in our entertainment centers right now. So, Richard, what have you been up to?
1: Yeah, from so going from our absolute favorites in television watching to the bottom of the barrel trash that I've been watching. Big Brother Reindeer Games ended, and like I said, that was that was just a comp show. It was fun. Kind of ended without much fanfare, but it was fun and I'm glad I watched it. I don't, I hope they don't do any more mid season stuff like that, but we'll see. And then I've been watching Welcome to Rexman season two. As I mentioned, that's been uh, a lot of fun as well. Watched a little bit more Andor, a little bit more Courtship of Eddie's Father, got back into Lessons in Chemistry. That show is so, so good. And really powerfully told, takes you through a gamut of emotions. This may end up being next year's favorite. I don't know. We'll have to see what comes next year. But uh, Lessons in Chemistry, very, very good on Apple TV Plus. Watched or started watching season four of Ghost, the UK version of that, while we wait for the US version to come out. And then the Doctor Who specialist came out right before. Christmas so we started watching those we watched the three David Tennant specials so those are Doctor Who specials one two and three those are all on Disney plus if you've been wondering where are they I can't find them in the usual places for some reason they're on Disney this year so we have one more with the new doctor and they introduced the new doctor at the end of the third uh the third special So the fourth special is inevitably going to be just the usual Christmas special with the new doctor, which should be fun. We're looking forward to that. Also watched the Hannah Waddingham special, Home for Christmas. I know you guys watched that before the holidays, and I absolutely enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun. It was exactly what I expected it to be, a variety show with a bunch of singing. And it was decent singing, and I thought it was fun. In the ebook area, I finished listening to Oath and Honor by Liz Cheney. I think I had started that when we last got together. And that kind of tells you how much I enjoyed that. I was really powering through that. I thought it was very, very well done. Like I said, if you watched a lot of the hearings, you probably know most of the second half of the book because she goes into a lot of detail there. But there is some backstory that I didn't know, and I enjoyed getting that. And then finally, I started listening to the book Outlive. I can't remember the guy's name, James Adia or something like that. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but uh, a doctor who specializes in longevity. And this is a 17-hour-long book that we're doing for our workbook club. So. I'm already behind. I'm hoping I keep up with it. And this isn't necessarily the kind of thing that I would normally listen to anyway. So we'll see how this goes. But I'm liking it so far. So that's it for me, Josh.
0: How about you? Well, I haven't been home very much. So there hasn't really been that much for me to talk about. I've played some Forza Motorsports, some NHL 24. No surprises there. And on TV... Continuing to watch The Expanse, I'm now into season three. I think I started episode two of season three this morning. And this is, this is, you know, I'm watching this in a way that would frustrate the crap out of you, Richard, because I'm restricting myself to only watching it on the treadmill. And so <laughs> I'm starting and stopping episodes, mid-episode, every yep. single time Yeah, it is... Not anywhere close to the ideal way of watching TV and really doesn't do justice to all of the people who put so much of their lives into into these shows, but it's really good and it does make my runs a whole lot more enjoyable. <laughs> cool. Yep. Cool. And then as we were with the family this weekend, one of the kids said, we should watch Mickey's Christmas Carol, I think is what it's called. It, it's the old Christmas Carol story. Yep. Uh, done with Mickey Mouse characters and this is old I oh yeah think it's from the 50s or 60s or so and it's of course on Disney plus and it's easy to say yes to the kids when it was like 24 minutes long so right <laughs> you know, right if you didn't want to watch it well at least it's not very long but it was it was fun and cute uh and man it's really interesting to watch old cartoons when You know, there's characters lighting up giant cigars in the middle of. Oh, right.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, it's good that they haven't like cleaned all that up. Right. right. I, I actually strongly dislike when they go through and take out things that people might find offensive, like, you know, on shooting. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's really been it for me so far. And I don't know, to to give a little bit of a preview for the next one, the only real change is probably going to be lots of college football because we're in bowl game season. (gasps) Oh, that's right. The school I went to, I think, is playing in their bowl game right now. What am I doing?
1: (laughs) let me tell you, I could not believe how bad, not not bad, but how hard the networks were pushing the sports that they were playing on Christmas. The ads were relentless. all day long all day long it's like crazy
0: yeah so and i was shocked to see the nfl step in and like christmas day is for the nba and to have the nfl be like nope we're gonna have three major games on christmas day it seemed like a pretty big slap in the face to the nba
1: yeah well it's uh hey we want some of that money too yeah yeah. D- don't forget what
0: the biggest sport in the U.S. actually is while you're opening your presents and eating whatever it is you're eating. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's pretty much it for this show. So if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can email us entertainment two zero at the digital dot com. Uh, we're on socials. I'm on X and uh, Mastodon at Josh Pollard. Richard is just on Mastodon at Richard Gunther. And, you know, we do try to do the show live most of the time. So go and, and look for our post about that on social media. And then once you're there at the the Twitch site, just subscribe to us there and you'll get notified by Twitch as soon as we do go live. Uh, Richard, you also did something else recently in the podcasting world.
1: Yeah. So as many people who follow the smart home podcast. snow. once a year at the end of the year hosts from a couple different shows get together and have a fireside chat and talk about the biggest stories favorite products do some predictions and we did that again this year this time with the folks from uh the home tech podcast and had a lot of fun at that that is already out on the home tech feed it will be out shortly on the smart home show feed and i'm hoping to get one out on the home on feed as well so check that out it's as as you can tell we all have very different perspectives on things and i know because we all talk to each other and talk about it that we listen to each other's shows and Are kind of having commentary in our head while we're listening to each other's shows. So to actually get together and be able to talk with each other once a year is a lot of fun for sure.
0: All right. Well, the if you were listening to Richard say that it's going to be available on three different podcast feeds and wondering why and and which one you should pick, you should pick the home on feed. It'll come (laughs) out last, but Richard does the most editing, so it is the most efficient. Exactly. For, for exactly. Experience. There you go. All right, and I, I guess we should touch on the fact that our podcast feed is still kind of messed up for some pod catchers. Spotify and Pocket Cast specifically have not figured this out yet. I'm trying to get a hold of them to fix it. I'm hoping that maybe with the release of this episode, it'll kick the side of the television set or whatever the equivalent is to, to fix it on their side. Uh, But there are are ways you can head to the website. You can watch us on YouTube uh, to make sure that you're still getting the latest episodes. They are showing up in Apple podcast and uh, Overcast and and other services. So hopefully everything will get squared away soon. But until then, that's going to do it for episode 634. He's Richard Gunther and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.